Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by USCFootball.com. I'm your host and publisher of USCFootball.com, Ryan Abraham. Joined in studio, we're all just back from the desert. We got Connor Morissette, triple-double. And we got the Helium Boy, the uh, Cilantro Boy, Chris Trevino coming back, editing his highlights from the, the game. USC defeats Arizona State 42-28. to 28. We're going to have a fun show for you tonight. We got to talk a lot of the game. Some fans not happy. I don't know if you guys realize this. Some fans aren't very happy with the 14-point win in the desert. So we're going to break it all down. Hopefully, maybe talk some people off the ledge. What could UFC, USC done better? All that kind of stuff. Uh, Jack Smith is still driving back from Arizona, I think. So he's not going to be. Uh, road games, he might not be able to do the Sunday show. So I think he'll be back here next week. But I'll be hosting. We got Chris and Connor to talk about everything that's going on here. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. So if you have comments on either Facebook or uh, our YouTube channels, you're watching it live, please put them in there and I'll try to put them up and uh, on the screen so everyone can see. If you have a question, write question first in all capital letters and I'll start and kind of look back uh, later on. You can also call in live. We'll take your calls live. Uh, make them good, make them quick. 5124-TUNNEL is the number if you want to call in there. And wherever you're listening, watching, if you're listening to the podcast later, please like and subscribe all of our stuff. It really helps uh, helps grow the show, helps us get water so Chris can be <laughs> hydrated when we're doing the shows. He has a cookie in front of him. I got him. He's, he's just wanting to jump into it, but he's going to wait till afterwards. I'm, I'm a backup today, but you gave me a cookie, so I feel <laughs> like I've already won. It's a winning day. It, you didn't eat your whole cookie there, Connor. No, I didn't really have dinner yet, so I didn't think a full cookie before dinner would do my stomach any favors, but it was a very good appetizer. Thank you. Three-fourths of it. Here's the remaining yeah, quarter here. Right before, yeah, I might eat that later. Uh, yeah, that's you good. can definitely have it. I, I didn't put my mouth on it. I promise. Just picking on it. No worries. Okay. Uh, so, everyone, thank you again for uh, tuning in. We want to break down this game, talk about what's been going on. So, if you're wherever you're watching, listening, uh, again, we thank you very much uh, for doing that. We got to start off. Um, this was USC's first road game. And we didn't, neither other, none of us were part of instant analysis. Uh, Shotgun Spratling, who flew in and flew back, and then Jack Smith, uh, they did instant analysis. But one of the common themes that they felt about this game was what it felt like when USC went on the road at Oregon State. I think they played on the road at Stanford before. That didn't really count because that wasn't like a road environment. This was a, that was a more real road environment. This was Parents Weekend. It was sold out. They were exciting. We're in the press box. 
Connor and I can't really feel the energy because it's like basically because it's so hot there. It's like hermetically sealed. Like you can't get there's no no air. There's no sound getting in and out of that. So we didn't feel it. But I wanted you to Chris maybe describe what it was like because it seemed like from what the guys were saying, the sideline was a it was a big deal. Like there was a lot of crowd noise. It was a tough environment for the guys to play in. Definitely, yeah. It was definitely loud down there in the field, you know, with the heat. The student section came out early and stayed, obviously, for the most of the game. You know, this was a game maybe that USC could break their spirit early. We'll talk about that a little bit. But they showed out. You know, they were heckling everyone from Caleb Williams to offensive linemen to Cliff Kingsbury, the return of the former Arizona Cardinals head coach. So everyone was getting it from the student section. But, yeah, it was loud down there and I remember thinking to myself on several key plays where the crowd would just get into it and I was like it is really loud down here on this field but I also had the thought that if it's loud tonight imagine how loud it's going to be in places like Notre Dame and Otson and obviously USC did not handle the noise all that well kind of reminds you of that Oregon State game last year which was also really loud even though they had just half a stadium but but the kudos to, to their student section for for showing out. That's how loud it was. But yeah, definitely was uh, impactful down there on the field. I could hear a lot of things and had trouble hearing after the game. That's how uh, much buzz they were making. I have far bigger concerns on the defensive side of the ball. I think the offense is so good that even if they make mistakes, they can overcome them. And we saw that the other night. But not being able to get the plays in early in the game in year three of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams being together, I thought that was a little bit concerning. The fact that he took a delay a game on that first series and some early timeouts, even into the second half, USC was taking timeouts because they had some issues getting plays in from the sideline to Williams. And when they did get them in, sometimes Caleb would change the play and that elected in the game clock ticking down. So I just thought that was interesting for a team that was coming off the bye and has been practicing with crowd noise for weeks. I was a little bit surprised to see this offense that really in the first three games at home had been putting the pedal to the floor, not really be ready for some of that crowd noise and not be ready getting plays in. I think that's kind of like a, you know, introductory kind of issue. That's not like a, a thing that I, I would expect from this offense having troubles getting plays in. So that, that was certainly something that I looked at and I said, oh, you know, I don't love that. But again, I think the offense is so good. I'm not too concerned there. Yeah, it's hard to be very critical. I asked that question a bunch because we were, you know, we're watching and it seemed like once the play started, it almost didn't matter what it was. It was going to work. It was just a handoff to Marshawn Lloyd. He was going to run <laughs> yeah. for 15 yards or Oh, if, if Caleb just drops back to pass, he'll find somebody open and throw it. But changing the play at the line, they just it just seemed like they were running out of time. They were calling timeouts. It didn't look very crisp. And I think it's similar to what we saw last year uh, when USC, excuse me, went on the road to Oregon State. And at the end of the, you know, Oregon State was a better team than Arizona State. And uh, I would, I want to caution everybody. And, and I would love to get your guys' thoughts on this. There's a, a question that came up. I'm going to pull it up here or a statement from John on YouTube. And I'm getting the, uh, if you're watching on Facebook, I'm seeing the Facebook comments too. So please put those up there. We'd love to uh, hear from our Facebook peeps too. But John said, I saw Notre Dame, Utah, Oregon, and Washington yesterday. The Trojan team that played last night in Tempe could not beat any of those teams going forward on their schedule. So this is where I would say, John, pump the brakes. Okay, this is a game played by college kids. What you see for a window, a 60-minute window of time, is not the definition of what 
that team is. Um, there's, it's just an ever changing. It's like a, uh, some organism that's changing all the time. Did you watch Utah on the road last week? You know, when Utah and Oregon are playing Baylor and Texas Tech, like both those teams probably should have lost. They're road environments. They just didn't look that good. Uh, Oregon looks like world beaters. You know, it was great. UCLA, you know, UCLA should have beat Utah. They didn't score a whole lot. But I mean, if you're going to make this blanket statement that all these teams would beat USC, I just would disagree with that. First of all, it's going to be a different story. You're playing a team off a of bye that just got blanked by a group of five team. Is the motivation going to be as high for USC? It should be, but is it really when they didn't even score a point? That ASU team was, you know, I watched that game. Night and day, uh, Kenny Dillingham took over play calling. It was a whole different kind of team. This was a feisty team. They came out trying to make something happen. And that doesn't happen all the time. You know, Stanford, who USC absolutely debacled, you just, just destroyed. And Lincoln Riley even brought this up in his press conference. You, you see, USC's up 49 to three. Does that mean Stanford is the worst team ever and USC's the best team ever? No, there's going to be some kind of in the middle. Stanford should have beat Arizona. You know, Arizona hadn't beat, uh, I didn't realize this, Arizona hadn't won on the farm since 2006. And they win by a point because Stanford kicked a field goal and down, <laughs> down in like inside whatever, inside the 10 instead of, you know, when they were down by four instead of going for the touchdown, whatever it is. But like Stanford looked like absolute garbage and then they almost beat an Arizona team the next week. I wouldn't put all this stuff like, oh my God, USC didn't look amazing. So Notre Dame and everyone's better. We'll see. I thought Notre Dame looked pretty good. They're going to play like Duke. They might lose like Duke or something. You know, who knows? We don't... To make these kind of blanket statements that USC is this or that, and you're going to make it define this whole team based on 60 minutes in the desert where there's all these other factors and stuff going on, I just would caution you to do that. Pump the brakes a little bit. There's my my rant, if we have any thoughts there. I would say I agree with your initial overall theme of that you shouldn't do blanket statements for, obviously, a game – four games into the season and it defines the whole season because yes, these are college kids and everything is always changing and constant. You can look around college football and see a lot of teams struggle on the road and, you know, maybe just have a bad week, whatever it may be, whether they came in there taking them lightly, you're right. You know, this was a very different look like a very different Arizona state team from the one that got blanked by Fresno state. Yeah, Kenny Dillingham calling plays. You had a QB that they could prepare for to attack USC's offense instead of going down to their fourth guy in 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 the in the second half of the game. So those factors do change, and I agree with Lincoln Riley that road games in college, especially, are super hard to pull out because you are dealing with college kids who are traveling on shortness. They have all these things going on. They're not professionals. They have all these things going on. So. There's so many factors that can determine what kind of team comes out. And obviously, USC, the team, the USC team that came out there in Tempe wasn't the best team that we've seen. So that's why I'm agreeing with you on the blanket statements. But I still saw things from the defense that makes me pause and go, hey, this is a concern for further down in the season when you get to this brutal back half that includes Washington Utah, Notre Dame, Oregon, 
those things that happened against Arizona State, if you do play those things against any of those teams, you're losing that game. And there's no other way to say that. So, yes, I you can't make a black blanket statement because things change all the time with, with college kids and going on the road. But there are concerning things you saw in that game. And we, we talked about it, how you're, this defense is a process and we're learning every week about it. And I think we learned some not great things in this game. So... You just have to be. You have to look at it like, okay, this this is a thing that makes me pause and say, hey, this this team is going to get to the playoff, or this team is going to run the table, or something like that. I made a whole bunch of blanket statements on our Thursday show after I watched Arizona State lose to Fresno State. Definitely learned my lesson on that. Agree with both you guys. You can't make the blanket statements. But Chris, to what you said about the concerns. How can you not be after this game? USC last year, they missed 156 total tackles, which was number 120 in the country. And against ASU, missing 14, it was reminiscent of a year ago. I thought a really good offensive play caller like Kenny Dillingham is. Good offensive play callers can scheme guys wide open and scheme good run plays against Alex Grinch coach defenses. And good OCs, they can do that against other defenses too, but it's more consistent against Alex Grinch. That first touchdown that Cam Scadabo had, Alex Grinch comes out a couple weeks ago and tells us on run plays, we want it to look like blitz. So USC, they're so aggressive. Everyone knows they're going to be aggressive on a run play. And, and what does Dillingham call? He says, Scadabo, take the carry. They're going to blitz, run to the left, and you'll walk in for a touchdown. And that's exactly what happened. On a couple third and longs, Arizona State saw something on tape. And they rushed the ball. USC wasn't disciplined in the rush lanes, and they're able to pick up first downs on third and long running the ball, which that's obviously a no-no against anyone, never mind an Arizona State team that have been shut out the last six quarters of play before this USC game. So I think uh, if you look at my Twitter feed, I, I, I might have been a little maybe too negative in this game, but I was just so surprised at USC not really having a sense of urgency earlier in the game, coming out slow, being sloppy. And then defensively, I just thought a lot of the mistakes you saw last year, you saw in this game, whereas the Stanford game, Stanford stinks, but the USC defense looked way better. Felt like they took a small step back and maybe even a somewhat large step back this week. Certainly concerning on my end. Yeah, I think I think that's fair that there's concerns. Um, it's just when people are just like, yeah. oh my God. The, They're never going to the beat team, this team now. Yeah. This is the worst team ever. And like, no. What I can tell you is they had the worst tackling performance against Arizona State of the year. But in general, the defense is better than last year. And they almost made the playoff with a really bad defense last year. How good is the defense? They're probably not as good as we saw maybe like the first three games or at least most of the, you know, the second, the second and third game. And I don't think they're going to be quite as bad as what we saw uh, Saturday night, but you know, somewhere in the middle, but they're going to be playing better teams, better offenses. Um, can you get some stops? They had a three and out to start the game and they didn't have another one. One of the things I've really liked about this defense is they forced a lot more three and outs. They got more stops. We didn't see as many of that. And we were seeing a little bit more of that, you know, give up the third and longs, some weird stuff. Uh, but Kenny Dillingham was definitely pulling out all the stops and it's no excuse. Like you need to be able to stop something like that, but the weird kind of punt formation thing where, you know, the first time USC doesn't feel have a punt, someone to feel the punt, and Scadabo punts it down there, and it's a great punt. And then the second time, you know, that you run it and get the first down, they just didn't handle a lot of that stuff right. And that thinks why there's some parallels to what happened at Oregon State. They look a lot better on the road after the Oregon State game, I would say. Um, but the you know that was a situation that uh, you sort of kind of needed to get that first test. So we'll see. Was this the first test, and they look better? 
Um, I know someone had a question about, well, if you, you know, they probably still beat Colorado playing like that. Like, I don't think Colorado's all that good, but they're, they're way better than last year. They're just still going to be, you know, it's going to be, uh, there's going to be some difficulties there. So I would just caution saying like, oh my God, this is the worst, blah, blah, blah. You know, that I, I wouldn't say that. Um, Can I add one more thing? Yeah, of course. I did want to say that on top of all this, you know, we're talking about the defense. The offense was obviously clearly out of sync for the most part. So right. they probably left at least, what would you say, it felt like three touchdowns off the board just with their their issues. And obviously they gifted the uh, Arizona State offense with that fumble in the first quarter. So if they, let's say you tack on three more touchdowns to USC's uh, final output and take a touchdown, that touchdown off the board, we're here talking about a very different outlook of the game. But you, we knew the defense wasn't going to be elite. We just had they needed to be good enough. And if you're able to score 49, 50 plus points and your defense gives up 21 points, you're, you're taking that. So the stack wasn't built correctly because the offense was just a little bit off and not up to their elite standards. But to still put up 42 with uh, just the, that little tweak off, that hair off is still impressive. But it, it, will look, it would look a lot better if they didn't have so many issues early in that game and obviously gifted them a touchdown. Yeah, and I, I would say um, when you're talking about a five-touchdown spread, which that's basically it's what you're basing success on at this point because they're like they're supposed to win by 34 and a half, and you win by 14. There were some weird, just some weird plays, and I think Lincoln Riley brought this up too. You know that the the punt thing. Um, you know USC gets a touchdown taken off the board. They don't score after that. Uh, you know, with the pass interference in the end zone, there were some weird stuff. But you know, I was talking to Chris Cartman who covers. Uh, the Sun Devils uh, for 24-7 Sports, Sun Devil Source. And USC also, they converted a third and 20, you know, uh, that you know that, that scored a touchdown on that drive. That could be points that USC didn't score. So there was a bunch of plays that sort of went, you know, could have gone either way. Um, USC's offense looked like they were going to just score a bunch when they kind of got, you know, when they got things going. But yeah, there it doesn't always go, you know, super smooth. Uh, this was a team that was certainly overmatched, but they were definitely fighting a lot harder than what we had seen in the past. So um, I think someone someone said I have uh, rosy colored glasses on. Uh, that, hold on, let me put it up. Ben's wig. Ben, Ben, does you have a wig? Like, I love that. Uh, I would not say that. I'm just trying to talk people off the ledge. If I thought they were just a terrible team, I would tell you they're a terrible team. Uh, I feel like a really good team. I just don't think you can say, oh my God, I didn't like what I saw. They're the worst. Or when it was 49 to three, they're like, they're the best team of the country. Like, I, I think it's got to be somewhere in between. I think we're kind of agreement. Going uh, back to that uh, initial YouTube comment too, I think it's important to say too, the Pac-12 I think is better than I thought after this weekend and who's the team at the top who didn't have the best game it's usc i thought washington they played cal but you, you blink they have 52 points oregon what they did to colorado everyone saw that utah what their defense did to ucla all of a sudden that game looks harder than i anticipated and i know usc has had all kinds of issues with utah so i think that's definitely part of it too and we don't want to make those blanket statements but when usc doesn't look very good and then they have all these teams who look really good on Saturday on their schedule coming up. I understand the concerns, especially with the way the USC defense played. Yeah, we're, get, I, we're getting a lot of... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just want to... Connor, do you want to apologize to the Arizona State offense? Yes, so, sorry to the Arizona State <laughs> offense. For people who didn't tune in Thursday, I 
just that first half against Fresno State and the whole game, they, they were just putrid. And I didn't put enough stock in having your quarterback healthy for the full week and being able to game plan. And even though it was a third string quarterback, Kenny Dillingham, what he did with Drew Pine was really impressive. And Lincoln Riley talked about it. I should have listened to him. When you have that week to game plan with your quarterback, it's a lot different than having a fourth string guy coming off the bench who you didn't game plan with at all. So swing and a miss on uh, by me on that one. Sorry, ASU. <laughs> And just real quick, we're getting a lot of transitive property in the in the chat. Like, oh, yes, we all know Arizona State got shut out by Fresno State. And you're like, look how good Oregon is. Okay, Texas Tech is one and three. They beat something called Tarlington State. That's their only win. They lost to Wyoming. They almost knocked off Oregon. They they were beat. They should have beat Oregon. That was a like they get a pick six at the end. I mean, it was crazy. It's just a road game. It's different. College is different every week. You just if you're going to look at the the worst thing that USC did, which was Saturday night, and go, this is the way it is all the time. That's what I'm saying. Just kind of caution yourself a little bit. The thing I don't like though about the transitive property with Florida State and with Texas. Oh, they almost lost to Wyoming. Oh, Florida State, they almost lost to BC. Texas beat Alabama on the road. Florida State beat Clemson. Beat LSU at a neutral field. Clemson's game was on the road. At least they have something to fall back on. Whereas USC, they haven't had that good win yet. It's not their fault. They haven't played anyone. But with those teams trying to say, okay, you know, USC is on the same level as these teams. They underachieved against a team that that they, uh, that they should have played better against. I, I would just like to see going forward USC prove it before we compare them to Texas and we compare them to Florida State. All right. Well, we got we got some we got like three callers in the queue already. Is there is there you don't want to take a call? No, yet, I'm just saying I. I... They're going to be spicy. I, I feel it. Good. Let, let them rip. We could uh, we could jump in. We'll do some calls. Then we'll come back to them uh, in a little bit. Let's bring in our first caller. Uh, welcome to Tunnel Vision. Thanks for joining us. Uh, who are you? Where are you from? David Chad, USC grad here again. How's my audio? Sounds all right. Let me. I'll turn you up a little bit. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for calling in. All right. So my next greatest question of all time. So I'm an engineered numbers guy. Shout out to hashtag Viterbi, of course. But my question is, should we go for two after every touchdown unless the score requires us to go for one? Feel free to check Google or hashtag ChatGPT, but college extra points are successful around 94% of the time. Mathematically speaking, if we are successful half of that number, 47%, remember that number, 47%, then we should go for two. The college two-point conversion success rate is around 45%. So while that's lower than the 47% target, I'd add around 8% for this generational offense slash Caleb and maybe 2% for practicing two-point conversions day in and day out. So in summary, you got 45% college average plus 8% for Caleb plus 2% for consistent practicing equals 55%, which is greater than the 47% threshold. So what do you think? about going for two after every touchdown unless the score requires us to go for one. You know the drill, baby. Shout out to Frank the Tank, Steven, Ron, and hashtag Kyle. Let's go. Fight on. Woo! All right. Thanks for the call there. Um, what a great call. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know how big into analytics I, you guys I, are. I'm a writer specifically because I wanted to be a writer because I suck at math. <laughs> but that being said... He convinced me that USC, USC, yeah, I said it wrong, whatever. USC <laughs> should go for, not every time, but they should definitely do more two-point conversions. 
We did see today the Packers went for two in an unconventional way, and then they end up beating the Saints. So for as much as I want to roll my eyes and be like, oh, you know, that call was not great. It was a great call, but, you know, the substance of the call wasn't what I was expecting. Let's stick to the game. I think when you have this good of an offense, you know, hear it out, but I don't think Lincoln Riley will do anything like that. You kind of have to... Like you, the high school coach who never punts, like you kind of have to. If you're gonna go for two every time, that's kind of who you are, and that's not who Lincoln Riley is. Didn't that end in disaster? Yeah, he got a college job, fired after like one year. Did he get fired really quick? Yeah, yeah. In college, you gotta punt. You have to punt sometimes. No, I feel like you have to be. I think if as long as you have a philosophy, like what is your philosophy? If it's whatever it is, you're sticking to it, and that's what the identity of your team is. I remember like when uh, Lane Kiffin was there and they were doing like swinging gate, weird uh, extra points sometimes that might go for like you're trying to keep people off balance. I think Oregon kind of did that back in the day, but or I think Oregon did it with like a real identity. When USC was doing it, it was kind of screwing around. But if Lincoln Riley just decided like I cranked the numbers, we're going for two, you're like, go for it. But there's I, I think you just have to be that has to be who you are. I don't think that's his identity. So. Um, he probably wouldn't do it, but I like the call. I, I just, oh. they I, did get one last game. They did get one last game, and I did watch Millican High School uh, game a couple weeks back. They went for two every time they scored a touchdown, and it was so demoralizing <laughs> to the other side because they could not stop it. Now, obviously, that's high school, and when you have a stronger team, it's a, 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 a yeah. Low, and uh, when you don't have a kicker, kickers, and when you don't <laughs> have a kicker, obviously, <laughs> it just makes more sense to go for two, but. If you, that's your philosophy, can you imagine going for two in Oregon and then not getting it? You're like really kind of shifting the momentum or keep it, kicking it back to the Ducks after getting a, a big score or whatever. So, yeah. yeah, you definitely have to pick and choose. I, I wouldn't be a all, all or nothing go for two. Chip Kelly's Oregon teams, I can't tell you how many times they were up eight nothing. You know, like they just, that was a common thing they did. We got a super chat. So, thank you uh, for our YouTube channel. James, um, why have we seen such little improvement at linebacker? Great question. I can dive into that. I think your defensive line rotations are really good. The secondary rotations I like. I think outside of Kalen Bullock, he's a great player. You have a lot of good players in the secondary, guys who can be great. Coming out of this game, though, what's the gaping hole? It's the linebacking core and the, and the rotations there. I think Mason Cobb looked very rusty coming off of an injury. I wouldn't judge him fully off of this performance, but I don't think he looked great. Tackett Curtis, a couple sacks. Those were later in the game. It's clear he's still learning. Eric Gentry played well, had that key missed tackle on the late Scadabo touchdown, though, as well. So I think the learning experience from the coaching in this game is that we got to figure out these linebacker rotations. Maybe they were hoping that the three guys they thought would be the best at the beginning of the season who all played against Arizona State would just it would work itself out but I don't think that happened last night and I think that's a major question mark Rajon Davis doesn't play a snap after getting a lot of credit by the coaching staff for what he's been able to do so why hasn't it improved that's a great question I, I think just by upgrading with Cobb and Curtis like the coaching staff hoped hadn't worked and they're going to need to to go with a plan b it looks like right now yeah. kudos to you for choosing for saying that Cobb was going to start uh, over the this game, even though I was very hesitant of how much he would actually play, he ended up playing the most snaps, the most snaps <laughs> anyone. Which seems that was a surprise. Wild to me that a linebacker coming off a soft tissue issue plays the most snaps out of everyone, and Rajon Davis doesn't play a single snap in this game. It, that just seemed 
bonkers to me. Especially when they weren't playing well. You know, like if they're lighting it on fire and things are great, lighting it up, I guess lighting it on fire is probably not a good expression, but, you know, doing really well. I like it, lighting it on fire. (laughs) Then, okay, Rajon, you know, sorry that the other linebackers are doing great, but Mason Cobb, if you look at his PFF grades, I know there's more to life than PFF grades, but he was not (laughs) graded very well in this one, and it wasn't a pretty performance for him. Again, he was out for a couple weeks. I don't want to totally rule him out the rest of the way and say he stinks. No blanket statements. He's coming back from an injury. We can't do that to him. Uh, But he he didn't really play that well, and I I don't think anyone would disagree with that. All right. Our buddy Dave in Iowa is calling in. Let's uh, let's bring him in. The legend. The legend for a brief call, Dave. What's up, Dave? How you doing? Hey, guys. Dave from Iowa, as usual. Um, First off, in terms of John's statement, I think what he's saying is that, like, you know, know, he said – the Trojan team that played last night in Tempe could not beat any of those teams. I think he primarily meant, like, okay, that in terms of that setting, you know, if in terms of, like, you know, the production both offensively and defensively couldn't beat those teams. I'm not saying – I mean, I don't I don't think he's saying that this team's terrible. I'm just saying – I just think that, you know, you know, he's just – you know, he's just explaining how, you know, offensive defensive production in last night's game would not equate to a dub in the following games that he said. Um, but I just wanted to say – in terms of me watching the game last night, me personally, holy cow, I kind of thought I was watching the Varsity Blues game, and, you know, Caleb Williams' the defense almost cost me a district title there. Um, but, uh, but it, you know, in terms of if you get that reference. But I've been saying it all this time. Lincoln Riley in the defense, he can't get it together. He needs to focus on it. You know, Grinch, I don't, I don't care. Take timeouts. Do what it takes to make sure that, you know, everyone's in sync or whatever. That's just my thoughts. All right. Well, thanks, uh, Dave, uh, from Iowa on that one. Yeah, I mean, Lincoln Riley did say in the offseason he's going to be more involved in the defense. But if you look at, I mean, I think people have um, there's a sensitivity towards the defense, towards Alex Grinch and all that. You know, somebody scores a touchdown and you're just going to get a bunch of fire Grinch tweets like just going to come out there. But I still think the defense is better than what we saw last year. Now it's early on. USC's defense got really you know bad towards the end when they were playing some of the better teams. They got better teams coming up, um, and we'll see. If you know, we thought two years ago the defense was as bad as we've ever seen. Then last year sort of rivaled that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think the jury's still out. I think the defense is better. We just don't know how much better at this point. If you felt like on Saturday you were watching the 2022 defense, it's because basically you were. Uh, RJ Arbadia did a great breakdown of the defensive numbers from Saturday. And USC's defense in 2022 for their season average allowed 2.8 points per drive, which takes out, you know, garbage time on, and, you know, breaks it down to that metric. USC's points per drive on Saturday was 2.8. It was the exact same as their average from last season. So if you felt like you were watching the 2022 defense, it's because you basically were. Yeah, and to add to that, last year USC gave up 4.98, so pretty much five yards per rush, and Scadabo was just over five yards a rush. It looks similar to last season. They they didn't stop the run effectively. Yeah. We got a super chat from uh, Slap Happy. I'm not sure what this means. Oh, no. Pair character turning around, waving his hand, saying, hey, you, while lowering his glasses. Pair character? Did he mean Bear Alexander, maybe? Was he? I can't see it. Yeah, it says pair character. Want to come over there and look at it? Uh, no, you don't have to look at it. I'm just like, whatever. But it was a, I, I think you got a, a super chat. I, I think so it's I an it emoji, there. and you just uh, and I think you don't have the power to see the emoji. It's a pair waving. It's and I think it's just saying. I think that he's just to saying you. hi. Yeah, 
but like, can you can you see the pair, or are you reading? No, it's I'm reading yeah, the words. Yeah. yeah. So it's he just he's so just he's just right saying now. hi. So <laughs> slap happy hello to you. Well, thanks. Uh, that was so. That's how the kids say hello. <laughs> they write funny. pair character. Yeah, like, no, no, but no one's writing pair character. He wrote that literally. It was written down. It was not. But I think you're just operating off of an older computer. Okay. <laughs> what? Do you want me to mute you? Because on mine, the pair. <laughs> I see the I see the pair character. Can you oh. back me up? Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so the, it's, it's an emoji. Not, okay, I'm not looking. I'm just how the the sausage is made. I'm bringing it up on the content moderation thing. Like the, it's the comment moderation. Like that's how I put it up. On <laughs> Slap the happy just said that this is just say hi. <laughs> Ryan, an emoji Hello. is a visual representation. I know what emoji. Oh, okay. Should I mute you too? Um, yes, but when the. So here's the thing. So if you are putting comments <laughs> on YouTube or Facebook, we cannot put emojis on the screen for whatever reason. It only gets, and I've never seen them. Usually it gives us little like special characters. I've never had it like write out the, what the emoji is. So that's kind of interesting. Just send him super chats of emojis. So he has to read out yeah. the I have to read all the emojis animation. and stuff. Yeah. Bear uh, dancing in a hula skirt. That's good stuff. Okay. Uh, let's go. We got another caller here. Hello, caller. Thanks for being on Tunnel Vision. Uh, what's your name? Where are you from? Hey, it's Nick from Virginia. Usually I'm listening to you guys from Trader Joe's, but on account that it's 10.30 p.m. in Virginia, I'm going to have to call you from my apartment this time. So okay. shameless sponsorship plug. I wanted to bring up maybe three things that I don't think – I think anybody who's on the Parastyle who covers USC, this is ex extremely important. Last night, I don't think I saw – a team like Arizona State roll out an offensive game plan so out of the ordinary, I think, since Boise State played Oklahoma in that Fiesta Bowl. I mean, some of those plays were ingenious, but it was clear that Arizona State was throwing the entire kitchen sink at this defense all night long. And they didn't cope well all the time, but they did get eight sacks. We're talking like this defense last night gave up 500 yards of offense which they didn't. That was Washington's defense, by the way. That's a conversation I think we need to have later this week. Second, anybody who covers Lincoln Riley and understands, you need to go back to when he first became a head coach. Even with his best teams at Oklahoma, with Heisman winners, guys, maybe not as good as Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is probably his best quarterback he's ever had. But Iowa State always gave Lincoln Riley problems. It did not matter who their quarterback was. It did not matter how good their offense was. It did not matter how improved their defense was. It didn't matter. Home, away, on the moon, it didn't matter. Matt Campbell, for some reason, played Oklahoma so Okay, Nick, we got to move well. this along. Okay, this is going a long time. You got a third okay, point? Well, well, I'll, Sorry. I'll just finish it up with that. I appreciate it. All right, thanks very much, Nick. Sorry. We, you know, we got like two-minute calls here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what, what do you guys think? It was... There was the kitchen sink being thrown at USC, but you still have to, you know, you still have to respond to that. Um, you still have to kind of make some stops there. But any, any thoughts on Nick's call? Just don't think Oklahoma's defenses have ever been exceptional. So, yeah, Iowa State played them tough. You're going to have tough games. I think I, I might be wrong on this, so someone can comment. But I think the Oklahoma defense was the best when it was Lincoln Riley's first year as the head coach. That was the year they. Believe made the playoff, and it was the closest game in the playoff. I think I'll have to double check. This is bad radio. I apologize. From there, 
they got blown out in some of the, these playoff games. So I, I, I think the questions about the Lincoln Riley defense, and maybe that wasn't his point, just the point was that a team like Arizona State can, can play it close. It, it happened with Iowa State. I'm just thinking the grand scheme of things, when Lincoln Riley has lost at 13 13- Losses that he has in his career as a head coach, they're giving up over 40 points a game. So, I, you know, I don't care if it's Iowa State, I don't care if it's Arizona State. There's a common theme, and it's giving up a lot of points and defeats. I thought I thought he made a great point that I forgot to mention about how yes, yeah, kitchen sink, yeah, Gillingham and that Arizona State offense was throwing whatever they could, even making up stuff in the moment. When Scadabo mentioned <laughs> about true. that 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 um, punt. Non-punt, Lincoln Riley even was like, I have no idea what to call that thing. So, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like getting an alley fight, you know, just act crazy. No one <laughs> wants to fight crazy. And that's kind of what it felt like. They were just like doing whatever they had to do to move the ball, score, whatever. It did not matter. Even if it looked ridiculous, even if they just made it up on the spot, they were doing whatever they could to move the ball. And, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, it, it worked. They 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 stayed in this game because of that. Shout yeah. out to Christian Pierce too for recovering the onside kick. Things could have been a lot worse. Yeah, he didn't do that. And uh, I mean, and Drew Pine, you know, Lincoln Riley talked about this like last week against uh, Fresno State. They had to use like four different quarterbacks. Guys were hurt. No one was prepared. Drew Pine was coming in this one knowing it was going to be his job. And, they, and Lincoln Riley talked about you just have a better game plan knowing this when you come in. Like he's going to be. Uh, the quarterback. So I think there's just more stability, you know, from that, knowing that he's going to be the guy coming in. And I think that's something that, um, you know, certainly impacted what was going on. But Nick also brought up some good points about, you know, they did generate eight sacks. They had 14 tackles for loss. They forced a couple turnovers and they could add a couple more. So, I mean, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's all bad on the defensive side, but there was definitely concerns. The yards per play, the bad tackling. There were certainly concerns, but there was also some good, you know, good things that happened there too. At the end of the game, the pass rush was great. And I think that's besides Kalen Bullock in that secondary who's just a ball hawk, I think the strength of the defense will be that pass rush and that defensive line. So that was certainly encouraging. You just would have liked to have seen some of those plays a little earlier when Drew Pine wasn't dropping back to pass on every play because they were down two scores and they needed to move the ball quickly. When Arizona State was doing normal things, they were still pretty effective. So, yeah, the kitchen sink stuff, that was crazy. You can throw that out. You won't see that every week. The normal stuff for ASU was working too, and I think that's why people are kind of like, what the heck? Yeah. Um, James says, uh, where do you have SC on the uh, Podcast of Champions rankings now? I haven't done it. I haven't re-ranked. Uh, we'll probably do that tomorrow, but Washington might take over the number one spot. I think it would probably be Washington, USC. Um, Oregon? You know, maybe Oregon and Utah. Uh, up there, but you know Washington State could you know they could make an argument too. Like they looked they looked really good. They were blowing out Oregon State um, until they weren't. So uh, okay, I think we have one more call. Actually, we might have two more whole calls. Holy crap! Okay, let's do our next call. This looks like um, Dave. Wait, from Iowa. Is this Dave in Iowa again? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Maybe not. Okay. Uh, oh, no, this is... Yeah, okay. Let's let's go now. We have John coming on. Hey, John. Hey, guys. How you, how you doing tonight? Listen, uh, why do we bring Dorian Singer onto this team? Uh, who's the guy that came from with Lincoln from Oklahoma. Mario Williams. If he drops another pass, he takes off and he keeps running before the ball is getting there. He was doing that last year, and he's doing it again this year. That runs to me exactly. I just go crazy when I see that. I, I can't take that, guys. I totally understand that call and being frustrated about it, but I think the wide receivers are the strength of your team, and – if a few mistakes happen here or there, you just got to live with it because that group is so talented and that group, by and large, has made a heck of a lot more good plays than they have bad plays. I was surprised Mario Williams stayed on the field, though, for so long. His third drop, it was like, all right, maybe we give someone else a chance. I don't know who would play his position. Maybe would it be like a Makai Lemon who, who would come in and they're not quite comfortable as a true freshman? It would, I, it would be really Brown. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, he's probably redshirting, so... Um, yeah, that's that's yeah. Like, it. Would be really Brown. That's who it would be to come in there. So, but it yeah, it does feel like Mario was. I wonder if it's because there's so much talent in the room. He's pressing a little yeah, bit because yeah. if you're only getting minimal looks throughout the Tiger games, you have to spread it out. Yeah, you're he, trying to do too much. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like that. It's a it's an interesting dynamic in that room. We and if you haven't uh, checked out our Tunnel Vision show from a little bit earlier today, Connor and I both interviewed uh, Brendan Rice. Huge game from Rice, seven catches, 133 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I'll put up a screenshot from what, um, you know, what what, what we saw from uh, uh, Brennan today. It was it was cool to see him and uh, talk about the receiver room. Whenever we talk to any of these guys, it's a it's very unselfish. You know, he's fine if they just if he catches you know one pass or they it goes other places. So. I don't feel like it's one of those things where they're just pulling people off or they're, they're still, you know, Caleb Williams finds different guys. They're going to spread around. Um, you know, you got one guy that's 13 catches, one that has 12, another that has 12. There's a lot of similar things. And, you know, yesterday was, you know, Rice's day, but he had been catching touchdowns, but not like a lot of volume. And, and last night there was a lot of volume there. So I, I feel like that's one of those things where Mario Williams could have a big game down the road. Yeah, I think the, the drops and stuff are concerning, but that's just one of those things where, um, I don't think it's in Lincoln Riley's DNA or Caleb Williams to not like just, okay, we're not using this guy anymore. Uh, I'm sure there's a point where it will be, but I think, you know, he's been a big part of this and I think they were going to keep, you know, using him going forward. It is interesting. It looks to me through these first four games that a clear top three has emerged and it's Taj Washington, Brendan Rice, and then Zachariah Branch. So if you're a Dorian singer, you intended to transfer thinking it'd break into that first group and he still could there's a lot of season left he gets a lot of snaps right now though it looks like Dennis Simmons says we're going to play seven or eight but there's clearly three guys who have separated from the pack and shout out to Zachariah Branch a true freshman doing that that's really impressive I think Singer will be okay he's yeah. still a all Pac-12 caliber guy you know still trying to get on the kind of the same motion and rhythm as Caleb Williams he was coming over learning a new quarterback I think 
he's bound to have a monster game, and then that's going to kind of set him off. Yeah. Got another caller. This looks like Woody. Hey, Woody, you're on with Tuttle Vision. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Sounds good. Hey, first and foremost, I just want to say do not count out a hostile environment. Like I mentioned in the chat, 2017, uh, Ohio State went to Iowa City, played the Hawkeyes. They absolutely got destroyed. They were like number three in the country at the time. Um, it was like 55-24. Ohio State finished ranked uh, like number two that year, or 12-2 uh, and two that year. But anyway, um, I'm not surprised as to what we're seeing with the defense. This is a Riley coached team. I feel like his strategy is just to outscore everyone that he plays. And... Um, I guess my question to you guys is, uh, do you think that his offense can uh, win us a title? And if you don't, uh, what are the reasons? Thank you. All right. Thanks for the uh, call, Woody. If everything goes perfectly, I wouldn't say no to that. Nothing's perfect, though. I think if the defense looks like it did last night, your margin for error on offense is really tiny. And um, I also think, too, the USC's first – Three opponents are a combined, I think, two and eleven. And I was guilty of this as anyone. I, after the Stanford game, I was like, "Yeah, I think uh, USC that they have a higher ceiling than I thought." Stanford just stinks. So, um, false barometer. Yeah, again, false another barometer. another blanket statement by me, kind of. So, to answer the question, I, I think yes would be my answer. But I, you know, it it takes an offense, a defense, and a good special teams unit too, and. You know, you got a great offense. Still questions about the other two units. I think this offense is good enough to take you there. And it's just, you got to have the defense be better than last year. I think it is. We just don't know how much. Now, USC's offense wasn't really in sync. Like, you're not going to see USC's offense kind of struggle all the time. It's going to happen sometimes. They did. They had some weird mistakes, you know, fumbling the snap, giving Arizona State the easy first touchdown. Like we mentioned, the touchdown being called off the board. Um, there was just some weird stuff. But, you know, Caleb Williams is capable of making these crazy good plays. You're going to score a bunch of points. I mean, he's still accounted for five touchdowns. Um, yeah, I think this is good enough. We saw Ohio State, you know, nearly beat Georgia last year. It was a missed field goal, right? I mean, um, they don't really have – they don't have, like, a great defense. And great offenses are beating great defenses. So, I think if you have a great offense, you have a chance. If you're Iowa and you have a great defense – and you get four first downs versus Penn State, like you're never going to win. You're not going to win a conference you know, division, let alone a national championship. But if you're, you have some crazy good offense, you have a puncher's chance with anybody. So that's where, where I'd go with that. Why don't we go to some of the um, questions we have, some of these uh, star questions here. I'll start pulling them up. we got a bunch. If you're in the chat for uh, YouTube or Facebook, I will try to start pulling up some of your questions. First one... And Cartum, uh, what do you think of the missed snap that nailed Caleb uh, in the nether regions? I haven't seen that before. Oof. I said this. This isn't like you're, uh, you're playing with your nephews and they accidentally hike one, a soft one in there. This is a Division One center hiking that ball. So you know, you know that was some real pain going on. Caleb just retweeted it with three laughing emojis. So I agree with his emotion. Now that it doesn't hurt him anymore, very funny. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, it was one of those things that was part of the – I mean, the general theme was they weren't they weren't in sync pre-snap. It was a lot of pre-snap crazy stuff going on. 
I felt like it was one of those things where after a few, you know, obviously Lincoln Riley's forgot more about football than I'll ever know. But when you're seeing that, you're just like, here's a play, just run it. And don't like change. I don't care if they're like lined up to stop it, just run it anyway, because it was getting so confusing and you're trying to call timeout and, the you know, get a false start, get snapped. It's just, it, they're, it seemed like it caused a lot of problems, but that was more of like an indication of they just weren't able to get things going pre-snap. Um, and, you know, we'll see. They're going to they're gonna have to do that because it's going to be loud in Colorado. Uh, all right. Next one up. Let's go with, let's see, what do we have? Um, Oscar, uh, if USC plays Colorado like they played ASU, will they lose the game? We kind of mentioned this already. I would say no. I don't think Colorado's... Colorado's defense is worse than ASU's. Yeah. Right, yeah. I still think they win. I still think it gets a little tense at times, but I still think they win. Yeah. And I, it's one of those things where if USC was just like, all right, all we're going to do is run the ball now, they would have just run the ball all over ASU, and they could do the same thing with Colorado. It's A lot of this is style points is what you're looking for. You're trying to do things a certain way. But I think the environment's going to be really tough uh, in Colorado. But no, I don't think... I, I mean, we'll see, but I don't think Colorado is is a great team. Um, and USC's got a lot more talent, so we'll see. All right. Next up, we got – this is uh, Ryan. Oh. Nice name. Uh, what worked defensively in the fourth, and why can't we do it for that for three quarters? <laughs> Drew uh, Pine first... dropping back every time, and USC knowing that ASU was – going to pass more often than they were going to run. The, the element of surprise was totally taken away, and Jamil Muhammad, Bear Alexander, Solomon Bird, pass rushing against some reserve offensive linemen, that's a recipe for success. Yeah, I would certainly there. And when we were watching early, you're talking about like the kitchen's think stuff. Kenny Dillingham's a really good play caller, and the fact that he wasn't calling plays, a lot of people were tweeting that that's criminal, that they hired Bo Baldwin, who was great at Eastern Washington when he was running that program, Wilcox brings him to Cal, and they're absolutely awful on offense. And why did Kelly, Kenny Dillingham hire him? And why did he let him call the plays when the whole reason you're 32 years old, the reason you're hired is to call plays? He was. He, and now he was, and you saw the, the difference there. But I thought they really took advantage of uh, some of the things that, you know, Bear Alexander would, you know, get a lot of push and um, cause some disruption. And I think that Arizona State saw that, and they – they kind of worked away from the pressure early on so USC couldn't be as aggressive because they were sort of countering and going wearing and gas. I thought they did a really good job taking advantage of what USC was trying to do pressure-wise up front and then kind of switching it on you. And then USC had to kind of change it up. And then they weren't playing, you know, I, I don't think USC was playing as aggressive as they wanted to be for a while because ASU was able to counter a lot of what their, their moves were. So I, I thought Kenny Dillingham called a great game. Um, but I wonder, yeah, I wonder if that's what Lincoln told him briefly in his ear when they met at halftime or after the game. Call your own damn plays. <laughs> Maybe Lincoln was pissed though, so I I don't know if he said anything. He didn't seem too happy. Um, we got a Facebook comment from Spencer or a question. Does anyone know if it's the scheme play calling or discipline besides the tackling that the defense uh, has a brain fart? Fight on. I would say it's discipline. And scheme, I kind of feeling scheme. I had someone text me that I trust with football that said they thought the linebackers might just be confused. Like they might be, might be too. This the what what they're being asked to do is kind of not simple enough. Not saying they're not smart, but it just might be too complex. That for, will not make people happy. That is a 
big talking point for years. Yeah, and then discipline because you could, like you, I could teach Connor perfect tackling for like two months straight, and then he just goes out there and just launches with shoulders. That's is that on me or is that on Connor for not just having up Connor or just wanting to to headshot everything and or lead with the shoulder, which yeah. is what Lincoln kind of said. He saw a lot of shoulders out there and guys going for the big hit. I do question what they're being taught too because on some of the rush lane stuff it's obvious that they're being taught just get up the field and then that you know if you're trying to go that quickly and you and even if you stay in your lane if you get up too fast you can play wash yourself out yeah of you can wash yourself out of the play and you're going too quick one little juke move can, can beat you so i don't know i i wish i was a, a smarter football person to really diagnose like watch the feeling like, this is wrong and this is wrong you know i i go by what i see and you know, I'm I'm not this forty year old. Co- for, for, I don't know why I said forty. I'm not this guy who has watched film for years and and knows like you know they're doing a the, this defense and and the corner did this. You should have done this. You know, I I just kind of see what I see and I, I think some of the rush lane discipline like they're in the right lanes. They're just going too fast and washing themselves out, like Chris said. We have a uh, a super chat from Moneybag Mansford. <laughs> Woo! You don't personal. have the chachings. You have to do it yourself. Oh, wait, I have the ching. I could pull it up here. Yeah, to... once you put the code in. I got to put the code the in and stuff. And, and trying uh... to stall. And I actually met him. I don't know if I yeah. said, I said this. You met him? Yeah, he, he called me out at the uh, when I was at the game. I think it was the Stanford game. But I met him. He's real. He, He's a real person. Yeah, he smells like wealth. <laughs> he exudes wealth. Well, he said, I'll be at the Colorado game. My question is, where the, will there be a meetup? Also, when is the two-star... Uh, Mech, uh, merch dropping. I have. I'm the build. I'm building the store. It's pretty much done. I have some samples coming, just so I can make sure it's the best quality for our listeners. But very soon, very very soon, money bags. And we're for meetup wise. It's going to be the three of us going. Uh, we're going in Friday, uh, late afternoon, and then we're going to come back after the game. So we could potentially do a Friday meetup, maybe somewhere in Boulder. Not um, super late. Not super late, um, but we haven't done it yet. We had a nice one uh, Friday night in uh, Old Town Scottsdale, which was a lot of fun. So thanks to everyone if you showed up for that. Appreciate it. That was a good time. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to try to do one, uh, Manfred. So that would be great to uh, to meet you. Tell, tell him which one. He'll buy the restaurant and then flip yeah. it three weeks later for profit. I assume he's going to look like Scrooge McDuck or something, right? <laughs> is that what the thing? Okay. Yeah. Exactly what you're thinking is what what it is. Nice. Uh, Dennis on Facebook. Uh, we are now 70th ranked overall defense against four bottom feeders. They have a combined record of 3 and 14. Can we talk about this rather than sh- sunshine pumping? There's no sunshine pumping here, Dennis. Um, did you see how many points USC scored? You know, that's a huge factor in these games. They've scored crap a little points because they're really good. They have the Heisman Trophy winner. Like, I don't know what you want sunshine pumping. Like, they are really freaking good on offense. They made a whole bunch of stops against some bad teams. Does it matter if you win the national championship 49-0 or 49-28? to Or 49-48. to <laughs> It doesn't matter. Uh, but thanks, Dennis. We appreciate that. Um, this is, let's see, Gixer Squid? Uh, why did the re- why did that reporter ask the odd question at the very end of the post game press conference? <laughs> okay, so we're we're in Arizona. 
there was a lot of Arizona talk. Um, people that cover Arizona sports, not just ASU. And they were in the, you know, so there was questions about Brendan Rice because he played high school ball there. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is on USC's team, who was the Cardinals coach. There was talk about, you know, the Cardinals tanking for, uh, although they won today, so I think they're, they're hurting their chances, but for Caleb. And Caleb addressed this in practice last week. Is that correct? I don't know if it was last week. It or was, two weeks I ago? It was like, I think it was a month ago. Yeah. It's been a long time. It was he, the week. It was the day before the NFL season started because I had my fantasy football draft right after. Okay. So this is already brought up. So this was just an Arizona guy bringing this up. And Lincoln Riley's expression was pretty priceless if you watch the video we put up there. Um, he was not happy with that question. And yeah. It was dumb. Wasn't the Arizona reporter, I don't want to rag on him, but didn't you? wasn't he kind of proud of the question Like after he was kind of Patting himself. I'm gonna do my Lincoln Rally impression. Oh, that. this is awesome. Can you can you ask the question? Sure, I'll. Uh, In the uh, same manner that he <laughs> asked it to. Yeah. So for people who haven't heard, this the guy took a long time this to. This is a reenactment. So let's go. Uh, Caleb, with you being here in Arizona, your father said to uh, GQ. Uh, you know, if the Cardinals have the number one pick, you might not elect to go to the NFL draft. My, my question, I, I guess, is if the Cardinals get the number one pick, would you go to the NFL draft? Nice. And then he said yes, but then he didn't mean yes. He said like, yeah, and then gave his. Yeah, I was like, we got eight more games at least and maybe three more after that. And yeah, yeah it was it I was. Do. It was a really dumb question to end on, but that's... You get... Watch the video, and someone should make a gif out of it. Lincoln Riley's expression is effing hilarious. Yeah. It was a local uh, local Arizona reporter that did that. All right. Uh, next up, we have uh, Lamont. The game proved uh, Rajon Davis should be starting. I think Lincoln Riley doesn't want to sit Cobb because of all the hype he came in with, especially after he was made a captain. What do you think? That might be true, and Cobb came in with way more hype than Keon Bars, but they've shown that they're good with not playing Jack Sullivan a ton, and they're good with not playing Keon Bars. His snap counts have decreased every game. He only had nine against Arizona State, so I'm sure the hype of Cobb plays into it, but at least the staff, they're not playing all the transfers. They've shown that if they haven't loved what they've seen from a few of these guys, they won't play. Cobb, though, certainly more hype than most of these guys, so that definitely plays a part in it. We'll see. I think what happens in the future is going to be really interesting. And I keep saying, you know, what happens down the line, we'll, we'll, we'll see. They keep telling us by what they're doing. San Jose State, everyone's available. Who plays? Those three. Last night, everyone's available. Who plays? It's those three. I wonder when something different will happen. Yeah. I'm just still stunned that Rajon did not get yeah, a not even single a snap. snap. Usually that, when you see the big zero, it's like, is he suspended? Not saying he's suspended, but like that's kind of like to go from playing even how to start. Obviously, I know there's injuries, but just zero snaps in this game is just baffling to me. That was very baffling. Yeah. And we'll, and people are like, bring it up. We're definitely, those questions always come up. We'll get to talk to Alex Grinch on Tuesday. So we'll find out what's going on there. Or we'll try to and uh, let you know what we, we hear. Uh, ISJST. Do you think this is all caps? So I, I should should I yell? Should I? Let's see. Yeah. Do you think Patty Caleb's stats for the Heisman campaign is hindering USC's run game? I don't. I don't think you're padding stats if you let Miller Moss play the entire second half against Stanford. So you're not padding stats. It does seem like though they want the ball in Caleb's hands. 
which I don't blame him. But yeah, when Marshawn Lloyd's averaging over ten yards per carry, and Lincoln Riley said last night we probably should have ran him more or run him more. Uh, they definitely want the yeah. I, I don't think they're stat padding, but it, it's obvious that Lincoln Riley I think feels the most comfortable when Caleb Williams has the ball, and maybe he should because when they try to hand it off to Marshawn Lloyd early in the game, there was that bad fumble, and Lloyd took full responsibility for it. So maybe that has something to do with it too. I mean, but, he's the best player in college football. Who Marshawn Lloyd? Not no, there. no. <laughs> but Marshawn I don't, Lloyd's good. The guy from Dematha or the other guy from Gonzaga in the DMV. Which one? They're both yeah, really they're good. Both. Just, just to let you know, they're both in, from the the area. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've got one more here, and then we might have some other ones, but we'll. Uh, the last one I had starred. USDMV, your honest opinion. Do you think Alex Grinch has improved since last season? I'm not comfortable answering that right now. I'm also not comfortable answering that right now, but I would say, like, if this was USC's defense last year, I would say it's like this. Just a little bit, a little bit, but I'm not confident to say, like, like, oh, we're back in the middle. No, I'm not. I'm not confident. No, and, and I'm not. We're. I mean, looking at the defense as a whole, I think the defense is better. I. I mean, there's no way we can know if like Alex Grinch got. I mean, he. This is. He's a coach, you know, and they're. But they brought in better players. So if you have better players, you're probably going to be look like a better coach. Um, but they're going to play some tougher defenses, and if they're, you know, continue to give up that many points per drive, and and some of those. I, you know the other um, commenter put something like overall defense. Like you want it the more advanced stats as far as like points per drive and things like that. I think those are more important. Um, but yeah, there's some concerning there. This is something I want to bring up because this comes up like a lot. Anthony says you will be suspended if you ask that guy's LOL. And that was talking about like Rajon Davis playing. No, I'll be suspended if I ask. Why didn't Rajon Davis playing garbage time? That's when I'll be. Suspended. <laughs> <laughs> but. Okay, I think some of the – I posted us on the Peristyle too. This isn't a trial. Like we can't force a coach to say something that you want. And we, we're we not going to go to the coach and be like, that guy sucks. You should be playing him more. Like that's just not – but we can ask, and we've done it a million times. No one's getting suspended for asking a question. What does Rajon Davis need to do or what does he need to show in practice to get playing time? Why didn't he play? Like that gets asked all the time. Um I don't know. Fans just think it's like, okay, we, you know, that's, you need to be yelling at the coach. Like, that's, this is not, um, what's that movie with uh, uh, Jack Nicholson? Like, you can't handle the truth. Like, there's no, you know, we're not doing that. You just ask the questions and see what you get. What is that movie? I'm blanking on the name of that movie now. God damn it. I know. Oh, whatever. But, uh, sweet. Yeah. What What's going on? Oh. I really did not need, you're Josh watching. Jacobs to score a touchdown right there. They're at the two-yard line, and they threw it, and they'd score it. Your so fantasy good. teams. I'm playing Ryan this week, by the way. So Yeah, and, and what the fantasy leagues. That I, I need six points from the Eagles defense to beat but the boss man. So let's go Eagles. <laughs> let's go Eagles. That's a weird one. Okay. Um, hey, you know what? I have a few highlights we didn't get to show. This was a good one. You want to talk about like defensive? A few good men. A few good uh, men, few yes. Good men. Um, everyone's putting that in there. Uh, <laughs> you should have just said it. This is pretty cool. Oh, wait, no, this is a different one. This is Caleb Williams scrambling around. This is why you want the ball in his hands, dude, and he throws it to uh, to uh, Brendan Rice. Pretty freaking – that was a really cool touchdown. That was a lot of fun. 
Um, this one is Kalen Bullock's interception. I thought he did a really nice break on the ball here. He really just stepped right in front of the receiver. Uh, that was a nice play. So Great play. I like that one. And uh, also have uh, Brennan Rice's first touchdown. I love like him stepping over the dude at the end. This was a back, you know, Caleb Williams on his off his back foot, and he just kind of trots in the end zone. So um, pretty cool stuff there. So I want to show you guys a few highlights. Some feel-good stuff. If you're not feeling good about the team, like watch some of the things that were good. Um, I'll have my field level highlights out tonight, so you can watch that. So I'm excited to watch those back. I love it. More in detail. Um, yeah, we had a comment uh, from Sager. Uh, Bullock got so. Oh, I'm sorry, I put the wrong one up there. He did get very high on that. Um, on that, he, he leaped really high in the air. That was a that was a good one to see. Sorry, I put the wrong question up there for some reason. Um, let me try this one again. Yes. Uh, I did like that high point on the pick. Um, they could have got a couple other turnovers too. The ball hits the ground, and you're just trying to make something happen. But imagine Kalen as a receiver. He played receiver in high school too, so yeah, he could go up and get that that ball. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up, guys. Unless you have anything else. Uh, I did want to shout out. Okay. Dennis Lynch, the kicker. I oh, don't yeah. think no one has been talking about it, but banged a 53-yarder. His career high, the career high was 49 last year. He's obviously been very quiet because they've been scoring so many touchdowns, but came in, knocked two field goals, two critical field goals, including that 53-yarder. So I, I, I don't, he wasn't getting enough love. So I just wanted, as a former kicker, to give some love to the, to the, to the starter, Dennis Lynch, for his big leg on a Saturday. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, like, Connor and I were discussing, is this even possible that it could go through? And I was, le I was leaning towards the no. And he, he, he nails it. He 60 in practice. Yeah. I just yeah. Think, we haven't really seen it. Like, game ones, we just haven't. They seem to come up, like, short. Like, I don't know. It just I didn't have a lot of confidence. And he just nailed it. So, shout out to uh, Dennis. And then he hit the other one. He hit the short one, which we thought, you know, the shorter one. We thought there were some, some issues there. Like I mean, like potential like oh, you hit the long one, you'll miss he'll miss the short one. No, he hit them both. So shout out to him. I want to be like I didn't say that, but yeah. <laughs> no, I I was the one. No, I, I was saying it too. Yeah, yeah. He made it just because you guys were uh, saying couldn't do it in the press box. He was like, oh, really? I heard. I hear that. Bang this one for you two up there. And then you, Chris, did you think they should have kicked the field goal? Uh, with the, to go up th two scores, what, what it was a six point game, and they could have went up nine, and Riley went for it, and they didn't get it. Do you oh, remember that uh, the fourth, the fourth, the, the to going to Michael Jackson. Yeah, like the a complete one to Michael. Yeah, Jackson. Yeah, I mean, typically, I was fine with them going for it. It was kind of a dicey situation in the game where it's like kind of want to take the points because your offense isn't going that well, but they were so close, and you know, it's Caleb Williams. I figured they could find a way to get those those necessary yards, so. I was okay with it, but also hindsight is obviously twenty twenty. I, I felt when they were going to the fields, like maybe you should have taken the, those uh, those three points. But in the moment, I was like, yeah, go for it. I think the mentality is sort of like this shouldn't be a close game where you're worried about like making it one score versus two scores. Yeah. But that was the reality. There was a two you know, one score game. You could have made it two scores. I thought their field goal would have been made sense there too. The um, but like, and we're getting some comments about special teams. This is one of the concerning aspects. We haven't brought this up yet. I thought special teams was bad. Like the Dennis Lynch one was great, 
but there wasn't really good blocking. Um, Zachariah Branch should have lost a fumble. He lost. Yeah, he, he should have lost that fumble. Uh, he returned a bunch of kicks that should have just been kneeled down and, and t- you know taken at the twenty-five. And I get it; he can capable of making big plays, but that was a tough place to. I think that's in that environment. You just say, "Hey, just take the knee, get the ball to twenty-five. USC was starting at their own fifteen, at their own eighteen, you know, stuff like that. Um, I just didn't think, you know, the, obviously the punt, you know, giving up a, a fourth down weird punt thing where you, you know, allowing a punt where you don't have anyone back to, to receive the punt. It just didn't look very clean on special teams. And those are hidden yards, you know, points that, you know, led to points, things that led to points like Arizona State scored after that. If you play decent on special teams, I think it's a different story there, too. Outside of you know a couple of big plays like the, the the field goals, but outside of that kickoff out of bounds, there was just stuff that you they had I thought cleaned up pretty well the last couple of games on special teams, and then this game they sort of reverted back to some some bad special teams plays. And I don't necessarily want to see like you don't need Zachary Branch to return for a touchdown every game, but you can't make bad plays like I this was USC when like um, John Baxter was around. You would have like this amazing play that everyone would be talking about. Oh, I'll throw it back to Michael Pittman and he runs it for a touchdown. But you screw up all these other plays. And it was a, it was definitely a net negative, but there would be like the big highlight play. I would much rather you see you just kind of be chill and just be like, make decent plays all around, if that makes sense. It's definitely not good when Zachariah Branch doesn't come out on that first one and they pooch punt it. And then they bring him up for the second one and they run a fake. It was like, we're going to do whatever we're going to do based on your move. And I feel like if USC was better prepared, you know, it was like a chess match and they probably could have countered that a little bit better. It was a hell of a play by Scadabo faking that punt and throwing it. And according to their head coach, it was something that wasn't planned. So all credit to them. But the fact that Zachariah Branch either being in or out determined what ASU was going to do and USC clearly wasn't ready for that. You don't really feel very good about that. You, you want to be the one controlling what happens, not – let the other team dictating things. Yeah. I, I could definitely tell he was making it up as he went along. Oh, you that Scatabo when I was like, I don't think he's supposed to be doing that. And then <laughs> I was like, it was so crazy it might work. And it worked. Uh, and just with Branch taking those kicks out, I again, maybe maybe an element of like pressing there. You know, it's kind of a tight game. Maybe you just want to make the big play. Yeah. Get, get your energy, your team, your sideline energized and maybe take the crowd out a little bit. So... You're kind of searching for the big play and pressing for the big play to happen. And obviously, it wasn't, you know, a good night for the return unit. No, it was not. We got one last super chat from Relic, and we'll uh, end this. Uh, Check out Lincoln Riley's week four game history. He seems to always have a stinker at this point in the year. Laid an egg uh, all but one season at Oklahoma and USC. So game four, I think last year was Oregon State, right? Was that – is that – was that right? That's not exactly a stinker, though. I mean, just where they played not to their abilities. Yeah, I would have to go back and look at uh, what he did at Oklahoma. But that's that's kind of interesting that's around that time of year. Um, yeah, it was, USC played Rice at Stanford. Yeah, it was Oregon. Fresno or- State and then Oregon, Oregon State. State. Yeah. If you give me, if you stall for like. Yeah, I can stall seconds. some more. But thanks. So first of all, thanks for the super chat, Relic. Appreciate that. Um, we had a bunch of super chats. Thank you. You don't have to. We're not normally like in the super chat business here on Tunnel Vision, but thanks for uh, you know. Yeah, scraped by West Virginia in 2021. Um, 
one, two, three, four. I mean, that, I mean, the fourth game of the 2020 season was the Red River Shootout. Uh, so I don't know if we count that, but yeah. they did win by like it looks like eight points. Okay. Um, I mean, it's a rivalry game, like. Uh, here, yeah, uh, barely edged out Army twenty-eight to one in twenty. 18 2019 they they whooped texas tech so okay uh, so that was not a stinker uh beat baylor by eight points in 2017 uh so that was kind of a, a shootout obviously uh this one they edged out tcu so but tcu was ranked so it does seem like the week four though is a, is kind of a close game yeah more or less so usc survived that one head to uh, Boulder next weekend and all three of us will be there. We'll probably do some sort of meetup on Friday. So kind of look on our Twitter feeds uh, or on uscfootball.com for that. But hopefully you guys are, uh, yeah, enjoying, enjoy this run, what I would say. USC's got a really good team. I don't think they're like a national championship caliber team, but I think they're a playoff caliber team or they have that potential. Have a lot of fun with it. This is a lot better than Two years ago, going four and eight, you got the best player in college football on your squad. When you got that, you can do almost anything. And there's going to be some amazing games. You're going to be like, oh, my God, that was great. Because uh, they're going to play some really good teams. I mean, you have, you know, Washington's a top 10 team now. Oregon is right there. Utah's right there. Notre Dame was right there with, with Ohio State. Like, you beat a couple of those teams, you're going to feel pretty good about it. A lot better than you feel about beating Arizona State. And if it's ugly, it's ugly. You beat Notre Dame on the road, and it's, you know, two to nothing. You don't care. Like, you just want to win that game. So, have some fun with it. The team's pretty damn good. I think you should enjoy it. Enjoy the ride a little bit. Uh, all right. We're going to wrap it up there. Connor Morissette, a.k.a. Triple Double. Uh, Chris Trevino, Helium Boy. He's got his cookie there. You want to, Connor, you want to show him how to do the bobblehead? Does he know how to, you know, look at that little, little Caleb Williams bobblehead going. Nice. Um, yeah, I hope you guys all enjoyed the show. Uh, tell your friends about uscfootball.com. Jump onto the Peristyle. Get in with the uh, in the fray. Talk about everything that's wrong with this team. That seems what everyone's doing. But go have fun with it. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.